But go to Psalm 33. And I just want to do a message about parenting here. I have one particular question I want to answer for us tonight about parenting. Psalm 33, read verses 1 through 4. We'll focus on a thought that's in verse 4. And uh, the idea here in verse 4 is just a thought that launches us into um, our message here. Psalm 33, look at verse 1 through 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harps, sing unto Him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto Him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. Okay, we'll pause right there. It's saying, hey, let's give God some music. Let's give God skillful music. Let's be excited. And there's many reasons to do that. But just notice the one reason here. Actually, twofold reason in verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. There's a twofold reason to, to just get skill and give your effort in giving God um, melody and uh, doing your best on, on an instrument and singing to him. Why? Because when he speaks, his word is right. It's not wrong. And what he does is in truth. It's not in falsehood. I want you to notice just that thought right there. The word of the Lord is right. Now let's talk for a moment about parenting and then we'll come back to that thought. Do you ever wonder, <coughs> I do, <laughs> if you ever wonder as a parent, like, am I even doing the right thing? <laughs> so, you know, we're working on some math. Some of you work on, we've got a lot of homeschoolers here, you're working on your school. Am I doing this right? We have, a, we have Saxon math for our kids, most of them. Most, for the most part, at least from about sixth grade and up, and and I'm helping Johnny and Jim right now, and and uh, it's not easy for me, even though it's only I'm only up to algebra one right now with John, um, but you know we get doing a problem, we're like, man, am I even doing this right? And so we go to the solutions manual. There's an answer. They have like a thing where it tells the plain answer. Then there's another thing where it tells the answer, but it also shows you the steps on how you got the answer. Besides going to the textbook, which is good, actually read the lesson. You can do a couple of these things. Read the lesson where it tells you originally how this was done, and then go to the solutions manual where it, it works out that problem that you were supposed to have answered. Here's the steps they took. And so we'll go to the solutions manual and we'll look. Are we even doing this right? Or are we doing it right? We're just missing a few steps. And then we're, okay, we missed those steps. And then here's how we can get this answer for the whatever strange concept there that they're trying to teach us. Um, well, sometimes you just get to be as a parent, and I'm just, I'm just assuming, I know this is like this for me, it's probably like this for some of you, like, am I even doing the right thing? I mean, am I doing anything right? Am I doing anything right at all? You know? Um, and I really want to answer that question. Now, and really I'm letting God answer the question by just exposing the Word of God to us and say, see that? It looks like we're doing something right. Because, what did we just read earlier? The Word of the Lord is right. So if I'm doing the Word of the Lord, then I'm doing right. And if I'm doing the Word of the Lord in the subject, just to be narrow down the subject, 
just in parenting, then I guess I'm doing right. So am I doing anything right? Well, let's find out. Here's, I'm going to give some affirmations. I like that word. Don't you like the word affirmations? Twelve affirmations. They're conditional, if. All right? You are doing something right. i got about twelve here. Uh, you are doing something right. Get ready for this first one. If you give them food and raiment. Amen? Yeah. Okay, we're going to just go through some of these. I'll quote some of the passages. We'll look at some of them. Kids, you ought to be excited about that. Do you have food? Anybody have food you're going to eat tonight, kids? Or tomorrow, at least by tomorrow, all right? Who is not going to eat food tonight? All right, he's probably on a diet. Anybody not going to eat any food tomorrow? Or are you on a fast? Okay. Johnny, you're going to be eating. All right, so your parents are doing good. You see that? Your parents, you're getting food, and you got clothes. I can see you got raiment. Your parents are doing right by you kids. Do you realize how that good that is? God says having food and raiment, 1 Timothy 6, 8, let us therewith be content. Yeah. So if life got really, really hard for all of us, and we just all of a sudden, there's no more phones, and there's no more gaming devices, and there's not time to play sports, and, and, and um, I can't watch TV, and I don't have 25 buckets of Legos, I only have one small one. And it gets really tough. You have food and clothes, you can still be content. So if your parents, parents, if we're feeding and clothing our kids, I know it sounds strange. You're doing right there. That's just kind of a basis there. Number two, let's go to Deuteronomy. I have several passages that each one of these points is a seed, really a seed thought for a whole sermon. But this is a big one right here. If we're doing this, then in our parenting, you're doing something right. Deuteronomy 6, this was touched on in the parenting seminar, and it has been by your pastor as well. Deuteronomy 6, even Adam, I believe, when he talked about loving the Lord, he brought this up as well. Deuteronomy 6, we'll look at verses 4, 5, 6, and verse 9. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy might, let notice verse 6. Take particular notice. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Verse 9. Pardon me, not verse 9. I got, that was an extra, that was an extra thing on my notes there. Notice verse at ver, let me say it again, verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them. What I want to emphasize is this. Is that before God... Did you notice the order there? There's an order. We look at the special... All right, here's where we... This is it. This is where you need to teach your kids right here. Uh, the Bible says we need to teach our kids, and we need to tell them um, uh, about the Lord. We need to tell them the Bible and teach them Bible verses and who God is and salvation. We need to teach them. And then it says you need to teach them in all the process of life. But before it says that we as a parent need to teach our kids, it says we as a person need to love God. That's what it says. For It starts with, in other words, it shouldn't be like, hey, I want to get religious because I need to get my kids all straightened up. I want to learn my Bible because I want to get my kids all, well, 
okay, that's not the best motive. How about you get yourself a true relationship with God and a walk with God for yourself? And these words which I command thee this day, Israel, shall be in thine heart, and then thou shalt teach them. Look at chapter 4, verse 9. This is where I meant by verse 9. It wasn't in chapter 6. Look at chapter 4, verse 9. Notice what it says. Only take heed to thyself. Chapter 4, verse 9. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. It's telling basically the, the idea here is that a parent needs to have a, a walk with God and a relationship with God. We need to know the Lord because we're Christians. We're God's kids. But it also does give us a standing and some footing to be able to help teach the kids. There is a practical help uh, advantage to that. But um, what I'm trying to say to us tonight, I'm trying to affirm, if you're, if you're in your life, you're like, I'm, you know, I don't know a lot. I just know God, and I try to stay connected to God and love Him and follow Him and commune with the Lord and have a close relationship with the Lord. If you're doing that, you're doing something right. It's something very foundational that you're doing right. Because it's one of the early emphasis in... Do you realize this? If you were to go by order in the Bible, one of the early things that the Bible emphasizes in parenting is this right here. Parent, know your God if you want to teach your especially if you want to teach your kid of, of Him. All right? So that's uh, so if you're walking with God and loving Him, you're doing something right. Number three, now we can say this. If we um, are teaching our kids in the day-to-day scenario, I say if we're teaching our kids in the day-to-day scenario, then we are doing something right as well. We read that. Look at chapter 6, verse 7. And, the, and thou shalt teach them. I love God, I learn from God myself, and I teach them. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up, thou shalt teach them. Um, So it's saying in the day-to-day scenario, in the day-to-day life we teach. Some people say, yeah, okay, I hear that, Pastor. I got my kids in church. I hear what you're saying. I make sure my kids go to Sunday school. Look, that's not, that's a tiny aspect of this verse. God's telling us that in the process of life, in the day-to-day scenario, that I and you as parents, and if we're doing this, man, you're doing something right. We need to teach our kids. You know, implementing a family Bible time or family altar, family devotion, something like that, at some frequency in your life, that's part of it. Um, Talking about the Lord when you're driving, that's part of it. When your kid has an issue and saying, well, you know, talking, bringing the Lord into it, God's Word into it in some way, that's part of it. Praying with them, that's part of it. Um, reading a book to them, reading the Bible to them, reading a book to them that's a Christian-based book or some other Christian biography or something else where you, you compare that with the mind of man with the mind of God. I'm saying uh, when we do that, when we're, when we're making... Let me just put it to you this way. Think about it this way. When God and talking about God permeate beyond this building, we're doing something right. Do you know how, this is one thing I've noticed. 
I've noticed it with Christians and with kids that God seems, sometimes God seems very small and unimportant to some people. He seems very small and unimportant. And, um, and I think it's because sometimes he's only known and talked about and heard about in a building. I would think he's pretty small then. If we only know, we only talk about God, hear about God in a building or one place at one time or several times in a week, he seems kind of small. He doesn't pervade anything else in my life. But if, as, if I put myself in the place of a kid and I say, yeah, I go to church, I hear about God, I have great Sunday school teachers, and then I go home and I don't hear much about God, I don't hear very little prayer, or you know, it's kind of like a whole different world. It's a different life out there. That makes God pretty small and unimportant in the mind of a child. Is God small? No. Is God unimportant? No. But it's our job to be the projectors of who He really is. And I'm just saying, I'm realizing my life, I want to constantly make it seem like, not make it seem like, just let it be that God is a part of all of my life. He, he, his expectations of, of you worshiping Him still remain when you leave this building. And so I'm just saying, as I know some of us as parents, this is where we're at. Some of us, you just need to, this needs to be affirmed, is that if we are talking of God if God, if worship of Him, teaching of Him, just talking of Him is mingled in our day-to-day, whether it's planned or unplanned, man, we're doing something right. That's good. So number four, let's move to another one. Um, you know what? Let me give you the quotes on the, uh, the references on this. And here's the point, is this. And I'll, I'll back it up with references. You can look them up later. Some of you already know them. If we are practicing reasonable restraint, then we're doing something right. If we're practicing reasonable restraint, then we're doing something right. What I mean is this. I'll give you an example. Eli, the priest Eli. The, one of the things about him is Eli was able to teach Samuel how to listen to the Lord, but he didn't teach his sons or he neglected to or he didn't enough teach the other, his own sons how to listen to the Lord. And the Bible says that the one thing about Eli, it appears that he's passive. He was passive. He restrained them not. Even though he knew they were doing evil, he restrained them not. He just, when you see the language he has with them, it just seems kind of not really uh, forceful. And, but, but the opposite is good, is when we practice restraint. The whole idea of, of, Deuter- of uh, Proverbs 22.6 you heard this, when we train up a child in the way he should go, the idea is narrowing their, their, func- narrowing their behavior, narrowing their lifestyle. Training is, is a, when you narrow something, you limit something for a special use. That's the idea. The, the, the Hebrew word is sometimes translated dedicate. Dedicate it. Um, Adonijah, 1 Kings 1.6, we preached a message about that, that his father never displeased him. You know what, kids, if your parents displease you, they're doing something right. Now, they're not out to frustrate you and make you angry because that goes too far. That, the Bible says don't provoke them to wrath, lest they be discouraged. We're not talking about that. But if you're just like, if you're displeased on some things they'd say or do or you're not always getting what you want, you know what? They're probably doing something right because Eli needed to restrain his kids. Adonijah needed to be displeased some. Training has the idea of narrowing down and bringing some restraint for the purpose of something, uh, for, for for the purpose of something good. So practicing reasonable restraint, we're doing something right there. Number five, 
If we're praying for our kids, we're doing something right. Sometimes that's about all we can do. I mean, especially as they get older, definitely, you know. Um, that's one of the few things we can do. The Bible says in Matthew 6 to enter into your closet. Shut the door. Pray to thy Father which is in secret. Thy Father which seeth thee in secret will reward thee openly. You know what Jesus said in John 17? I pray for them. Referring to, he didn't have children, but he had disciples. He says, I pray for them, Father. A lot of his prayer in John 17 was for them and for us. He's praying for future disciples. Praying for them. If we do that, we're doing something right. Um, Sarah had mentioned um, her mom who's praying for, she talked to me by text today too, uh, her Mrs. Roy, praying for one of her sons, and she was, um, you know, more optimistic about that, about um, hopefully him reconnecting and with the family. And um, I know she prays a lot for her, her children. In a way, I'm here because she prayed. I mean, because when I came here, I found out after some months that she's like, you know, I was praying for David to have a friend. You know, my brother-in-law, Deb's older brother, and we became good friends. And so I'm in a, in, in a way here because of her and also because of my mother trying to help us find a church. But if you're praying for your kids, you're doing something right. Be happy about that. Number six, if we spend pleasant time with them, I think we're doing something right. Not all, when I say pleasant time, I'm not saying that's all we do. But spend time where it's like, okay, this is pleasant. This is fun. This is relaxing. This is enjoyable. If we're doing that with our kids, we're doing something right. And I base that on the idea of one word that's found in the Bible, and it's found commonly associated with bringing up kids, and that is the word nourish and nurture. Kids are, kids, uh, it's nourishment for them to, ha to have fun and enjoy a moment. It's nourishing. It's helpful to their emotions and their mind. And, um, uh, sometimes we can get to where we're not. We're just, it's all the, the regiment and the, and the, the day-to-day, and it gets to where it's like, man, I'm bored or I'm not happy or whatever. And I, there's times for that. There's times to be bored, but there's times to mingle it with some, with some fun, with some leisure, with some uh, pleasant times. And if we're, if we're trying to plan pleasant times and, you know, your vacation, your little getaway, your spontaneous, hey, let's go get ice cream or, Let's go to the park and play basketball, or let's go fly a kite, and creating pleasant time, pleasant memories. We're doing something right there. That's part of nurturing and bringing them up. Doesn't God, you know one of the things that says to us, especially as dads, it says, we're told in the, in the New Testament, God tells dads, you know, bring up your sons like I would bring you up. I'm paraphrasing. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, doesn't God give me pleasant things? God's my father. He's your father. Doesn't he, he gives me pleasant things. He gives me times of enjoyment. Well, then I'm supposed to apply that template to my parenting, especially as a dad. My, my mother's dad, my grandpa Morgan, um, my, my grand, he, he, he did a good job with that. He was good at planning, you know, they had their regiment of work and school and they, did, they were faithful to church. And, and, uh, but he would pull away and like, we're going to go up to the lake this weekend or something, you know, and, and uh, they'll get back on Sunday for church and, and uh, they would do 
fishing, and they had these little motorcycles. I think they're coming back with them now. They're just kind of short little stubby things with fat tires. He would take them out on them, my Uncle Phil and Aunt Robin, my mom, and they had such pleasant times. They, they, they loved going camping with my grandpa. And then when I was, when my grandpa still had some, you know, energy, he'd take me camping too. Man, I love being with my grandpa. You know, sometimes he had more energy than my parents. You know, they, I wore them out, you know, and my grandpa, was, I guess, had some energy. And we'd go camping, and he'd sit down, and, uh, and there's even pictures where I'm sitting, I'm sitting down on this, like, folding table, like a card table, and there's a little canopy over us. We're in the middle of the forest somewhere, and we're playing cards. I don't know what we're playing, playing something. He's playing with his little grandson, you know. But um, uh, for us as parents and grandparents applying this, if we're doing that, that's good. They, they, it helps connect them with us. All right, here's, we'll move along here. And some of these, these next few, they kind of tie together, this, number, this n- number seven, is if we're pursuing our kids' heart, if we're going after their heart, not just their behavior, if we're going after the things that they value and love, and not just the things we see on the outside, if we're pursuing their heart, we're doing something right. And I say that based on Malachi 4, and it's quoted in Luke, 7, Luke 1, verse 17, where it says John the Baptist would be one of, the, one of the things that John the Baptist would be as a prophet who turns the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to the fathers. There was some kind of positive family effect to John the Baptist being on this earth. Turning the father's heart to the kids and the kids' children's heart to their fathers. And uh, at least on one side of that equation, for us as parents... We should be interested in our, in our children's heart. What's going on in there? What's your thinking? What's, what's wrong? Or what's right? Or what makes you happy? And just try to find out what their values are and their interests are. And they change over time. Sometimes they change, you know, day by day. But over the long haul, they change. You know, I remember some of my kids were, you know, very interested and had certain things that captivated them in their youth, and then it changed in junior high and high school, and, um, or it added to, you know, some of them still in high school liking the Legos, but, uh, uh, or the, close to that, you know, that could happen, but the idea is to, to care about their heart, pursue their heart. I want to read a quote here, missionary John Patton, some of you have heard of him, British missionary, he said this, it's interesting, and he talks about being a pal with your, son, with your child. He doesn't mean it in a bad way. Listen to this. He's talking about sons and fathers. He says, 30 years divide a father and a son, typically, in his case. He says, each looks out on the world with his own eyes and sees things from his own viewpoint. Is it any wonder that misunderstandings sometimes arise? The remedy lies along the lines of forbearance and sympathy. Be the pal of your boy. Let the father and son cultivate the spirit of camaraderie. And in every event of life, there will be a chance of complete understanding between them. He's basically saying try to connect with that, with your child, with your son, or your, in this case, your son. So if we're doing that, man, we're doing something right. I want to know, know where my kids' heart is, and I want to uh, have it. The writer of Proverbs was interested in that, wasn't he? Um, number eight, if we're practicing truthfulness with our own kids, we're doing something right. We're practicing truthfulness, being honest and transparent, being truthful. 
If you're doing that, you're doing something right. I mean, who would want an authority over them, or let alone a parent, that's not always honest or transparent? It's not as favorable. Look in Proverbs 3. Look in Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, look at verse 4. Pardon me. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Being merciful, being truthful. Let them not forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So the, 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 that proverb, that verse right there saying, being merciful, being a truthful person, those two qualities... Don't let them leave you. Always be merciful. Always be a truthful person. Truth. I'm about truth. Don't let them forsake you. Keep them and keep that quality in your life. Why? For then thou shalt find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Let's think about that, how it relates to parenting. You know what I've found with my kids? If I'm just honest with them about my motive, it helps. Here's what I'm trying to do with you. Here's what I'm trying to do for you. It helps in my parenting. If I'm honest with them about my um, goals for them, this is, where, this is what I want to see for you. Instead of just saying, do what I say right now, just come on. You know, expand, take time to expand on what you're trying to do with them in their life. It helps. Now, if I'm honest with them also in my mess-ups, in my sins, my mistakes, my faults, and I confess them to them, if it's directly related to them or something I did before the family that was wrong, and I am truthful and I honestly ask, you know, that was, or I say, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. shouldn't have said that to everybody or to you. And uh, that was dumb. That was bad of Dad to say, do, whatever. You know what I found? I find favor and good understanding in the sight of my kids. That's what God says. Don't let it forsake thee. And in other words, being transparent with your, with your own kids, if we're doing that, I think we're doing something right. Um, how many of us kids, how many of you kids ever seen your parents make a mistake or a sin? Oh, only a few of them. Man, perfect here. You haven't been watching them very closely. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, if we do and it's directly related to them, we need to apologize. And I think they'll learn the value of um, somebody who's honest. The value they'll see the they'll see that hey, confessing faults, confessing sins to another person is not abnormal. I see my parent did. My parent did with me. So. They'll learn to do that when they're married or when they're dealing with somebody. And it won't become a... See, listen, we control the culture. This is one thing that's kind of hard, you know. You control... A lot of us control the culture in our homes. If we have a culture of, you know, being stubborn and, and stuff like that, it's going to pass on to your kids even if you don't intend it to. They, they get used to that culture. So if we're practicing truthfulness, we're doing something right. Number nine, for correcting them. I spent a lot of time on this yesterday. We're doing something right. A lot of Proverbs on that. Let's take a quick peek at them. Proverbs 22, 15. 
Proverbs 22.15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Did you know that, okay, let's just deal with the verse. You know what's in your heart, kids? You know what's in your heart? Blood. No, no, I'm not talking. I mean the soul, the center of your being, the, your inner nature. You know what's in it? A lot of cool ideas to build Legos with, right? Lots of dreams and ambitions and um, yeah, things you want to invent. You know what else is in there? Foolishness. It's in there. Now, I'm not saying it's not in the hearts, too. We probably have still some we got to keep cleaned out. But specifically, if we were just dealing with this verse, Solomon, he's wise. He says foolishness is stuck in there. And you know what gets it out? Is the rod of correction. The rod of correction shall drive it far from it. If we're, if we're correcting our kids, we're doing something right. I want to give some clarity to correction. We should correct with instruction. Um, sometimes just instruct, hey, that's not right. This is right. And we teach verbally instruction. That's the way to correct. We correct. Sometimes you need to add the level, bring it up a level. All right, now I tried telling you and showing you. Now we're going to raise it to some consequences. You implement some consequences by, it could be a spanking. It could be a privilege lost or something else. We correct with instruction. We correct with consequences. We correct with demonstration. Sometimes we need to say, this isn't how you do it. This is how you do it. Let me show you how this is done or how this is cleaned or how this is uh, to be uh, set straight. And then also we correct without delay. Proverbs 19.18 says, Chasten thy son while there's hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. You know, us as, we as parents, this was emphasized yesterday, but I'm just, I'm saying all these things to where I'd be like, where I want you to where, if you know you're doing this, you're like, hey, I'm doing something right. And that is, we are admonished to just, you know, correct our kids early in life and early in the crime too. Um, I, I told you, that, I shared this example, but I, I hope you remember it, and I don't, I don't think I could use it too much. But we had a tree in our backyard. It blew over. I can't remember the name of these trees, whatever. We see them all over the place in our neighborhood. And uh, when we first got it, um, it wasn't that tall. It's probably no taller than, maybe a little taller than the ceiling here. It was maybe that big around. And um, the branches probably started coming out right about here. And we had a good wind or something, maybe, I think it was monsoon. And that thing blew over like that, not all the way down, but it blew over like this, about half, 45 degree. And I pushed it back up, and of course it wanted to keep slopping over. So then I went, I don't remember if I got two, went and got the stake, the, the, the post, the round uh, stake to put in the ground, put it in the ground there. And um, did I put two, Deb, or was it just one? Was it two? Okay, great. That, make, that, that works on this analogy then. All right, so I put one on this side, one on the other side, and got the wire and the kind of like the rubber thing around the wire so it doesn't cut through the through the um, the tree, and I pulled it back, and I had something already stable in the ground, the post already stable in the ground, not right next to the tree, but in a decent amount, decent distance away, and I put the other one over here, and we just suspended it. It was tied by the, the wire and the little hose thing that co covers over the wire, and we, we got the tree straightened back up again. And now the tree is really strong. I can climb up in it. 
I can climb up in it. And, and it's only, what is that, Fifth, um, 18 years old, you think? How long have we been in the house? Yeah, well, it's probably 15, 16 years old. I can climb up in that tree. And it's not crooked either. And that's a picture of parenting. Can you, do you picture what I'm saying, kids? Little tree? You, how many of you kids, raise your hand if you've seen those things, those posts next to those little trees? All right, that's your parents right there. Those are your parents. Those little posts are supposed to be there in that tree. They're not going to be there forever. Did you know that? You see a big tree and it has those posts next to it? You ever seen that? No. Somebody pulls them out later on. They get them away. All right, they don't need it anymore because the tree's big boy now. You know, it's big. It doesn't need that. But it was there early on. They were stable. Those posts are stable. And they're tied together. you got mom and dad pictured there, right? And um, to help guide the growth. Because winds come, oh, I blow this way. I want to blow that way. You get a lot of rain, soggy ground, and it wants to slouch or whatever. No, the posts are going to hold it up. And that's what you kids are. You're just a little tree with a lot of potential to grow and become something strong, and you need the presence of those two posts. They're not going to be, they're just, they give you a little space. And they want, the purpose of them is to help you get rooted and strong. And your parents, what has happened, what I did was I inserted those posts there, and what I'm telling us today is that if we as parents are inserting ourselves in our kids' life and correcting them, we're doing something right. Number 10, a few more points here. If we compliment and encourage our kids, we're doing something right. Compliment and encourage them. I don't know about you, but man, I can find a lot of things to, uh, that was not right, that's not right, that's not right. And I constantly, I'm not going to stop doing that. I have to. But if I compliment and encourage, that helps too. That's a part of them growing up. Do you know that we have two examples in the Bible? Paul did that. He called some of the disciples his children. Some of these churches, my little children, you know. But you know what he did when he wrote to them? He often started out with some compliments. First Corinthians, man, there was a whole bunch of stuff they had wrong. But he had some compliments for them. Um, the Galatians. Some of the other, think about um, the Lord, what the Lord does in Revelation 2 and 3. I think, I think every church of all those seven churches, he compliments them first and then corrects them, except maybe Laodicea. I don't think that there was anything good for them. They didn't have, you know. My point is that, that the Lord, even when he addresses his churches, his children, gives a compliment, then a correction. And I think if we're doing, if we're learning to find something good, hey man, good job. You know, Jim out there, I was complimenting him. He is the um, federal emergency management for the catastrophe we had on the basketball hoop. <laughs> I was teasing uh, Steve. I was like, we had uh, Shaquille, Shaquille O'Cecilini bring it down, you know. <laughs> I was like, don't worry about it. That thing was not looking that good in the first place, so I wasn't holding it against him. But um, is that why you're not eating tonight? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Jimmy was out there. Well, we got to fix it. We got to take this apart. And he's all taking this apart. He knew. I'm like, good job, Jimmy. Good job, you know. Good job. So, you know, I'm just trying to look for something to compliment them on. And that if we're doing that, I think we're doing something right. Number 11 and 12. Here we go. If we're being a consistent testimony in public and private, we're doing something right. You know, it's important. Now, Troy talked about this too yesterday. You don't act everything exactly the same in your house as you would, in other words, in public, in your house as you would in public. I mean, some things, you, there's a reason why you have doors and windows because you've got to deal with some things privately. And, but as far as the quality of your Christian character and your love for the Lord, it ought to be seen in both places. And the quality of our language ought to be consistent in both places. You know, Paul said in Acts 20, 20, I've showed you, he's talking to the Ephesians, I've showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. You know, Paul was the same guy in those different places. And then last of all, I want to just end with this thought. So again, back at 11, if you are given, if you're being consistent in public and private, you're doing something right. But last of all, number 12, if we are giving our kids something good to observe, you're doing something right. Look in Proverbs 23, 26. Proverbs 23, 26. <clears throat> my son, Proverbs 23, 26, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Now, this is Solomon. And not all of his ways were right. Some of his ways were exactly, some of his ways he's teaching, and he goes on to teach the, the danger of women and wine in these next, the rest of this chapter. But he bears out the part of visualize what I'm doing. Visualize my example. Observe my ways. Now, for us, if, we're like, if, we, if we were Solomon's kids and this is all we knew, we'd be like, yep, did good here. Did good, bad, did bad there, okay? And that's how we would know. But I think uh, perhaps for a son, he's saying, let me, I want you to see my example. Example is a great teacher for humanity. Some people learn it no other but example. They're like, yeah, 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 you're saying something. Just show me, show me, show me. They want to see an example. Um, if we're giving our kids something good to observe, that's helpful. How many of you have been to an observatory? An observatory. All right. How many of you have been to the one in Flagstaff? Lowell. All right. You know, how many of you have been to the one over here at Riparian Preserve? The little tiny, teeny tiny one. You been there, Esteban? Yeah. I know I was there. I'm like, they're like, we're all dogs. Saturn. We can see Saturn. Do you want to see Saturn? And they're like, it's really clear tonight. And my boys got up and looked, and I got up and looked, and I'm like, man, I can't see that very well. I don't know. It's a little fuzzy. My eyelash is getting in the way. Move eyelash, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're an observatory for our kids. They enter in. The, the Solomon says, I want to be an observatory for you. Let thine eyes observe my ways. So we want to give our kids something good to observe, though. It says in 1 Timothy to be an example of the believer. In Titus chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, speaking of what I believe men ought in particular ought to be to young men, it says that in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. Kids need a pattern to see and observe. And if we're giving them a pattern as a parent, they're seeing a pattern 
of a, an honest Christian um, that loves the Lord, that's honest with them, then we're giving, then we're doing something right. We're doing something right. And that's what I just wanted to, I just wanted to encourage our church with this tonight because I know sometimes you go to a family camp or a parent conference and you're like, I don't want to go because I'll find out all the things I'm doing wrong. Well, we need to find that out, don't we? I mean, I want to not go to the doctor because I know I got cancer and I'm limping and something really is painful in my back here by my whatever this is, kidney. I don't want to go find out what's wrong with me. Well, that's kind of dumb. You know, coming to a conference, you need to do, we need to do that or a seminar because we do need to see. But it's also good to say, what am I doing right? And if you're doing something right, keep doing it. And if you slow down on it, step it up. 